Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, are you ready for Jesus Revealed in the book of Revelation? We're actually finishing the series today. Before we start, hello everyone online. I'm very sorry I haven't been on the online chat for a while, but I am thinking of you. I hope you've been enjoying our series too. So we're wrapping it up today. And we're wrapping it up in Revelation. And Jesus actually introduces himself to us in the book of Revelation. He says, I am, here's another name for Jesus, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And we know he was there in the beginning when God said, let us make mankind in our image. Us included Jesus. Here he is in the book of Revelation. So from the very first book to the very last, Jesus is revealing himself. And I think that the book of Revelation actually preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ louder than any other and better than any other. It's just really hard for us to understand. I've spent the whole year reading the book of Revelation. I've still got two chapters to go. And I've, I've been reading a book called Discipleship on the Edge, which is about the book of Revelation, and also four commentaries. And I feel like I only understand this much of Revelation. But what we're going to pull out is just five things, five ways that Jesus is revealed in the book of Revelation. So, you ready? The first one revealing Jesus. The first thing we see about Jesus in the book of Revelation is that he walks among the lampstands. Sounds unusual. He's walking among the lampstands and Jesus tells us later that these lampstands represent the church. And so I think how beautiful that the book of Revelation starts with something we will completely understand. He walks amongst his church And it's described in Revelation 1 and Revelation 2. In Revelation 1, it gives you lots more picture. It's very exciting. But I'll read to you Revelation 2's reference. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and he walks amongst the golden lampstands. In Revelation 1, it says he stands in the middle of the golden lampstands. And in Revelation 2, it says he walks among the golden lampstands. So right now, Jesus Christ revealed is in the center of the church and he walks among the church. Isn't that an incredible picture? And he holds these seven stars in his right hand. And seven in the Bible, you've got to do a bit of Bible math with me today. You're ready to do that. The number seven in the Bible is the number for completeness. And so he walks among the seven lampstands, and there were seven strong churches at the time, but also seven lampstands would mean the complete church, because the number seven is for completeness. Then, when you look at the seven stars that he holds in his right hand, so you can picture him holding these in his right hand, seven stars are only seven planets known at the time. So when John saw this, this is the Apostle John, when he saw it, he thought, Jesus holds all the known universe in his hand. There was also seven stars, so for us it says he holds the complete universe in his right hand. It's exciting. (laughs) Then I want to show you what happened next. It's a beautiful moment, and this is who Jesus is. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 to 18, it's the Apostle John who says this, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me. So John is down on the ground as if dead. So we would have had to get his right hand, let go of all of the stars and come down and meet John the apostle right where he is in all of his fear. 
and he spoke hope and life into him. These are the words he said. Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. Remember, John saw him die. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. And I see in that moment a Jesus-revealed moment for Mindy, that Jesus, who in his right hand, the hand of strength and of favor and of blessing in the Bible, that he held all the universe together, he comes again and again, and he meets me where I am. He had to come down and meet John exactly where he was. He meets me where I am, and he speaks incredible words of hope. And, you know, I just open the word, and there it is. Many times, particularly this year, I've had to open the word and say, you have to speak words of hope. And he does, because that is Jesus revealed. So that's your first Jesus. You ready for the next one? Okay, the next one is Jesus on the throne. And so John is taken to the throne room of God and he sees incredible things. God on the throne, the elders and the four living creatures, all this incredible sea of wonder and rainbows. It is amazing and it's all very meaningful and purposeful, but I'm just gonna show you the Jesus part. So uh, John sees all this incredible stuff, but then he sees a scroll and no one is worthy to open the scroll and break all of its seals. And he knows the, the weight of this scroll. And so he cries because throughout the earth, no one is found that will be worthy. And then the elders say to him, do not weep. See, this is on our scripture, yep. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll and its seals. And John would have known from the Old Testament the prophecy about the line of Judah that would come from the root of Jesse and the line of David. So he knew this was it. This is the Messiah, exactly what we have waited for. So the elders are talking to him and said, don't worry, the line of Judah. And he turns around and he expects to see the lion of Judah. And when he turns around, this is what he sees. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns, seven eyes. It's a pretty weird-looking lamb, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And so he saw a lamb. But we understood, and he would have understood, that the lamb was for the day of atonement. And we understand that the lamb was Jesus Christ on the cross as a sacrifice Okay, this is what I love about this whole picture. The first thing is Jesus was slain, the lamb was slain, but he was standing. So he was in a position of victory. And you could see he bore the scars of a lamb that was slain, but Jesus Christ was standing. And he was in the center of the throne. And he was surrounded by four living creatures. And four in the Bible is the number for creation. And the four living creatures actually represented creation. You had a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. And that was the wild animals, the domestic animals, mankind, and the birds of the air. So these creatures around the throne represented all creation. So he's in the center of the throne. He's surrounded by all creation. And then we read he's got, for some weird reason, seven horns and seven eyes. And seven is the number four. Completeness, very good. And horns are a picture of strength in the Bible. So he was, in this moment, on the throne, he was seen as completely strong. And eyes are the picture of wisdom. So he was seen on the throne as completely wise. Isn't that incredible? So in this moment, 
He's on the throne, in the center of all creation, completely wise, completely strong, slain, but standing. Awesome. And my revealing Jesus moment in that is putting Jesus back into the center. Back into the center, giving him all power, looking to him for wisdom. Great. You're very quiet today. We're going to skip a whole bunch of Revelation now. Fast forward, put your fast forward on. We're going to jump into Revelation 12 because now we're going to see Jesus' birth. Did you know his birth was in the book of Revelation? How incredible is that? So here it is in Revelation chapter 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out in pain and was about to give birth. Now we know this to be Mary and we also know it to be Israel. The sun, the moon and the stars are Old Testament references for Israel. You can tell by the 12 stars on the crown on her head because there were 12 tribes of Israel. That's the easiest one to see in that picture. Okay, so we know this woman is Mary and is also Israel. And then it goes on and says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns on its head. And its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. So Revelation tells us that this dragon is the serpent of old. And we know the serpent of old to be the serpent of the Old Testament that tempted Adam and Eve. So we know we've got Mary and we've got the enemy in this picture. Okay. Then the child's, okay, the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So it might devour her child the moment he was born. And you can think about how Herod was used in that moment to devour Jesus the moment he was born. But she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And that's an Old Testament prophecy about Jesus Christ too. So we know that this is speaking about Jesus Christ. And her child was snatched up to God and his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. So first of all, he was snatched up to God. And so Jesus, that was his ascension. And so God has got Jesus ready for the time that is to come. And the woman, interestingly, the woman now becomes the church. So she was the people, Old Testament people of God, Israel, and now she is the church. And so it says that the woman fled into the wilderness and had a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of. So what I want you to see in that is God is taking care of the church in the days that we're in on the earth. Isn't that encouraging? For 1,260 days, 1,260 days is more Bible maths. The Bible talks a lot about times, time, time and a half or 42 months. And they always refer to a chunk of God-ordained time. That's the amount of time that was set for the tribulation. We don't actually know how much the time is, but there's all these chunks in prophecy where they talk about times, time, time and a half, which is 1,260 days, which is 42 months, which is a God-ordained amount of time. Is that easy enough to understand? Okay. You're doing well with the Bible maths today. All right. So Jesus has it all under control. His beautiful birth and God taking care of us in this season on the earth. The next thing we see in the book of Revelation is Jesus on the cross. So the actual moment of Jesus on the cross is in Revelation as well. 
And it's a call to harvest the earth. Jesus has his sickle and the angels have these sickles. Now the sickles, you might think of the Grim Reaper with a sickle, but it's not actually like, you know, the Roth harvest like the Grim Reaper. Sickles are used in harvesting to bring out of the harvest what you're gonna keep, not what you wanna get rid of. And so let's look at Revelation 14. I've got to warn you, sorry, this gets a bit gory. There's no kids in the service. We have to, sorry, be a bit gory. Are you ready? Okay. Revelation 14, take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine because its grapes are ripe. Let me tell you, who is the vine? Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, he is the vine. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth, gathered its grapes and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Then he trampled the winepress outside the city and the blood flowed out of the winepress, rising as high as the horse's bridle for a distance of 1,600 stadia. That's the gory part for you. Um, So we know that this vine is Jesus Christ and because he had to, the wine press had to be outside of the city, that's a picture of Jesus Christ crucified. He had to be taken outside of the city in order to be crucified. And then we see this interesting thing where it describes how much blood there actually was. But 1600 stadia is 1600, for John the Apostle, he knew 1600 stadia to be the distance of Palestine from its furthest borders. 1600 stadia then would be an incredible word of hope for the church of that day or for Israel that there was blood enough to cover all of Palestine or all of Israel. Isn't that incredible? And then for us today, 1600 stadia, 1600, it's an easy math number. You've got four times four times 10 times 10. Do you remember what the number of four represented? Creation, very good. Four times four you know, multiplied by itself and 10 times 10. 10, just to confuse you, is also the number of completeness in the Bible, both seven and 10. 10 commandments, 10 fingers, 10 toes, all through the Bible, it represents completeness. So four by four and 10 times 10, there was enough blood to cover all of creation over itself and completely 10, 10. So it's an incredible picture for us to know that this work on the cross and his blood was completely enough to cover absolutely everything. That's Jesus revealed. Awesome. You ready for the last one? Okay, thanks, Jack. <laughs> I've left out a lot of revelation. This is not an apocalyptic message or an eschatological message. It is Jesus. And so the last thing for Jesus is that Jesus is coming. And uh, this, the next section really starts with this verse, blessed is everyone who is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'm really sorry, boys, but this whole analogy is about a bride, and you are a bride. I know the girls are going to get it, but it's a bit hard for the boys to understand. Both you and you as a church are the bride of Christ. Okay, but to understand it, you have to know a little bit about ancient Jewish wedding customs. So first of all, the father gets to choose the bride. Who would like that power in the room? My daughter has her first crush. I would really like to choose her future husband. So the father would choose the bride and, and the groom would honour the father's choice. 
And the next thing that would happen is that the groom would leave his father's house and he would go to the bride's house and he would negotiate the bride price. And so we understand the bride price to actually be the life of Jesus Christ. And then the next thing that would happen in this exchange is that he would take a glass and he would say to the groom's father, this is my covenant. And have we heard that words from Jesus after the last During the Last Supper, he actually took a glass and said, this blood is my new covenant in my blood. And then the next thing he does is he leaves, but he goes, the groom goes to his father's house to prepare a room for his bride. Now, first of all, no one wants to live with their in-laws, but this is what they did in the time. And we know that Jesus, just after the Last Supper, he said to his disciples, don't worry, don't be afraid, I'm going, but I'm going to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you and I will be coming back for you. Can you see the entire connection with all that Jesus has done and the picture of the bride? So here's the anticipation, the bride waiting for him to return and you know what, he goes back to the father's house and he doesn't even give her a wedding date. How rude is that? How is the bride meant to prepare? They knew the exact time, not the exact time. He might say, I'll come back next spring, but they didn't know the exact time or the hour. You would just know because there would be a procession down the street. Imagine, bride, having to quickly get yourself ready. But we get our lives ready the whole time. We are ready for Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is the moment. This is the highly anticipated moment in the book of Revelation where Jesus finally comes. Revelation chapter 19 And I saw saw heaven standing open, an open heaven. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is Jesus Christ. Two of his names in your life are Faithful and True. With justice he judges and he wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. Wow. He's dressed in a robe that's dipped in blood. It's his own blood. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. There's a quote from the Old Testament. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. We just read about that. Yes, enough blood to completely cover all of creation. And on his robe and on his thigh, oh, yeah, on his robe and on his thigh, he has written the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Wow. I just find that incredible. I wish I had time to tell you every single one of those things. I actually don't completely understand them all. The one that sticks out to me the most, though, is that he has a name that no one else but he himself knows. And so in this revealing Jesus idea, you can look, look to Jesus in the Word of God day after day after day, and he will keep being revealed to you. All right. More of Jesus revealed. So what I want to do just in the he is coming last Jesus revealed moment is to let him reveal himself to you. And we're going to do it through communion because I think that that picture of the bride 
is so beautifully represents communion. And how, how can we not just step into that moment? So you want to step into that moment with Jesus? All right, get your little communion. I want you to open it all up, get everything ready. If you're online, just grab anything, coffee, toast, whatever you've got. You ready? All right. I'm going to get you to close your eyes because it's just you and Jesus. The church is his bride, but you also are his bride. He came for you. So the first thing you need to receive is that the Father chose you. The Father chose you. And Jesus honoured the Father's choice. He loved that he honoured the Father's choice. The next thing you need to see is that little piece of bread, and that is actually your bride price. That little piece of bread is the price that he paid for you. And you, I just have to ask, if you haven't accepted the bride price in your life, now is a great time to do it this morning with that little piece of wafer in your hand which represents his body broken for you. If that's you right now, I want you to raise your hand so I can see it because right now I'm just going to pray with you as we all take it together. So right now I want you to take the bread and I want you to accept as you take it, wow, the price, the price that was paid for me, I accept it by eating this wafer, I accept the bride price. And the next part is the cup. And we know that the cup is the promise, it's the covenant, it's the seal of the deal. And as you drink the cup, I want you to receive and agree to the new covenant. His promise to you and your promise back to him. So Father, we agree to that covenant. We're so grateful. So grateful, Jesus, for the price that was paid. And we agree. And we look forward to you coming back for us because that's the last thing that's left. I want you to open your eyes because the last thing left is that he's coming. He's actually coming back. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.